Welcome back to another Caring Support Podcast. This week, we have a lovely person named Kim Valentine. And Kim's got quite a great story for us uh, to share with our audience, but uh, I'm not going to steal her thunder. I'm going to ask her to do that, obviously. So it's really great to have you here, Kim. We appreciate you uh, making the time. I know you're very, very busy. So maybe you could do a quick little introduction of yourself, please. Okay, thanks, James. Um, yeah, thanks for inviting me here today. That's that's great. I love seeing what Caring Support is doing. Um, just a little bit about myself. I graduated uh, from nursing back in the 80s. And uh, at that time, I worked um, primarily in critical care. Uh, I transitioned out of um, ICU and ended up going to home care. I was a visiting nurse for a number of years, worked as a nurse educator. In that time, I did go back to school and and got my degree because back in back in the 80s, mostly um, most nurses graduated with their diploma. So then I went back and got my BSN. So that was a, a journey too. Um, and then I I sort of gravitated at that time to you know more geriatrics. I kind of even though I'd worked ICU as a generalist ICU, you know it was ICU CCU. There were a lot of geriatric you know older adult patients. So um, I ended up having special interest in that when I did go back to school and specialized in in um, you know caring for dementia. Uh, people with dementia worked as a geriatric nurse in primary care for a few years. Um, worked in geriatric outreach, doing clinics and cognitive testing and uh, working with geriatricians and geriatric psychiatrists. So yeah, I've, I've uh, with nursing, I've been able to go down several different avenues and that's been the great part of part of the career for sure. Wow, that sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. Obviously you've been pretty busy. So, <laughs> Years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, she did that in the last 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, but uh, so here's the thing, a quick question, and thank you for that. I really appreciate it because I think it, it, it you know, gives our audience the opportunity to realize that you really know, you know, nursing. You understand, you know, so much about it and have put so much of your life into it. And, and you know, and it's, and it's wonderful to see that, that you know, what you've done. Um, so next question is, is basically that next transition that happened about the writing. What made you decide to become a writer? And what would you say is the best part of your journey? Well, you know, it's funny because I've, I've always enjoyed writing, I, but I never sort of put writing and nursing in the same, you know, the same pot. Uh, I ran across um, uh, some writing by a, a nurse named Elizabeth Haynes, and she has a program called Our Into Writer, and it's basically learning how to do freelance health writing. So I read her book, took the course, and it's been amazing, um, the transition, because as I tell people, it's given me a voice. So, you know, a lot of that health teaching I've, you know, done with patients in the past, you know, where you do that one-on-one -on -one health teaching, now you can write an article on, you know, um, Alzheimer's and you can reach more people with that one article than you can if you were just doing teaching with family one-on-one. -on -one. So that that's been that's been great. Uh, like I say, give, it's given me a voice and I also use part of you know my background in nurse education too and I've written some nurse education articles as well. So it's uh, it's been really it's been a really fun journey. Sure. That's good. That's awesome. I love it. So but in these articles you talk about things like cognition, dementia, health and aging, and of course, other related, you know, topics. So 
what do you think, uh, why do you think you developed an interest in these topics in particular? Um, more out of my, you know, certainly my experience of working in geriatrics, older adult care, working in the clinics, um, you know, definitely there's, we have a we have a population of people reaching a reaching an age that there's going to be more prevalence of cognitive uh, deficits, and the earlier someone has a diagnosis of a dementia, the sooner that they can get some kind of treatment, you know, be it to slow down the progression of the of the illness, um, you know, and and sometimes people might not notice there is a decline with someone. So I I just really feel it's important that people are educated. Uh, for for their loved ones, you know, so that they can recognize any changes, make you know, future planning, that kind of thing. No, that's amazing, and we are in a, you know, um, thankfully immigration is 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 helping with this, but we're in an aging, uh, you know, population that we have or a demographic, and so many people are moving towards retirement. So many people that you know, and they're going to have various health uh, issues and. It's good what you're doing because it's a more proactive approach to saying, here's the signs, this is what to look for, this is how to, you know, uh, deal with it. So I, I think that's beautiful. So as an experienced nurse yourself, what would you say uh, are the biggest challenges faced by nurses and other healthcare workers who treat people with these kinds of uh, impairments, whether dementia or cognitive related? Well, well, certainly human resources is is a huge challenge, and and that's why organizations like yours, Caring Support, is you know mm-hmm. trying to working at at filling that that gap because certainly um, uh, we are short nurses, personal support workers who are who are a vital member of the healthcare team. Um, you know that certainly is is a huge thing, the human resource challenge. I think um, as well, education. I think education is really um, something that is you know a challenge. It's it's a challenge as far as you know being able to have the time to do it, because with with cognitive impairments and you know people uh, who are hospitalized or in long term cares, they can develop you know kind of responsive behaviors, um, you know, if there's, if there's a need, if they have, you know, an infection and, and there might be a behavior associated with that. And, and that's, that's difficult to deal with, but if you have the education and, you know, the, the continuing education to understand what need, what can be done to either avoid that behavior or, you know, learn how to handle that behavior without using medication. Mm, yeah. Uh, that's a good point. I, I like that a lot. You know, I think about um, I had a family member that died just a few years ago and leading up to that, they had dementia. And boy, I'll tell you, I mean, it, it was incredible because, you know, you always think of the person that you've always known. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden now they're they're totally different. They're they're saying things that are nonsensical. They're, you know, and and, uh, you know, you make a very good point, you know, Kim and I. It's obvious that we need to have you on speed dial and then, you know, <laughs> but OK, so very related to what you just said. Next question is what sources or resources do you think, you know, nurses and healthcare workers need? Well, I mean, there are resources out there. You know, a lot of times it's it's time to actually, you know, take advantage of those. Um, 
in Ontario, we have what's called Behavioral Supports Ontario, which is a, a team. It's you know promoted by by the health, by the Ministry of Health, and they are a team that are specialized in dealing with behaviors, responsive behaviors. They are in the community, they are in long-term cares, they are in hospitals. So that's a resource that is available. Um, along with them, uh, you'll have your uh, geriatric uh, psychiatrists, geriatric um, or geriatricians that are also available for assessment assessments to uh, make those diagnoses. Uh, so those resources are there. Alzheimer's Society, huge, huge. They have, you know, psycho, psychogeriatric um, right. clinicians and counselors there that, um, you know, certainly do help people in the community. Um, in one of my previous positions, when I was working at the geriatric clinics, the, the Alzheimer's Society staff are, are an amazing resource. That's awesome. You know, I know, uh, I, uh, my grandmother, she had Alzheimer's and, uh, and then she ended up like just, she would get up in the middle of the night and just leave, you know, just, you know, because they, they're trying to find something familiar and, 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 you know, whatever. And anyway, uh, my father and I ended up uh, place, finding a place that specialized. It was like a long-term care, but specialized in dementia and Alzheimer's and all that. And they were amazing. Um, the support and the care was beautiful, you know, and and that's what you want because you realize that sometimes we're just not capable uh, of doing it. We're not qualified half the time. We're not capable. We, you know, everybody's working full time jobs and and you know whatever it might be. But you, the last thing you ever want is that person to fall between the cracks. Yeah. And yeah, so that's great. Appreciate it very much. Um, so. Uh, how can nurses and healthcare workers who treat people with dementia better advocate for themselves and their patients? Well, al along with part of the resources too, I want to mention there's a couple of programs. There's a pieces program. It's a it's kind of a holistic approach to uh, caring for people who have different cognitive uh, impairments, and part of that is getting to know the person, getting to know their story. I think that's huge. Um, you know, taking that time and and be it if they're in hospital or, or long term care. I know a lot of times in long term care they have a whole system set up to do that. You know, getting to know the person. Um, right. But it, but it's it's important in in hospital as well because you 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 want to know what their baseline is you know get to know the story get to know what this this person was like what did they do for a living you know years right. ago. like just you know emphasizing that personhood of them I think I think is is huge um, and then and then it makes it so you have you have some tools to approach them you know if. Um, if they were a farmer, you can, you know, talk to them about farming and uh, things like that. Or I had one one gentleman and he was looking at a magazine and it had food. And I was asking him if he was if he ever cooked in his life and he had cooked in his life. He used to work at restaurants. And so we were talking about the different type of food. And, you know, it just it just helped to, you know, focus him for a short period of time. Yeah, I love that. And by the way, Kim, for a minute there, I thought you were giving a course on networking because it's <laughs> <laughs> like, in my community, like we're in London, Ontario, and I, I love to network and, and and in my community, I'm known for doing that. But my approach is always going in and leading with with helping others. And I I tell people that if you really like this and, and hopefully you do. Take it to the extra step and go to events with the attitude of how do I inspire somebody? Mm -hmm. And, you know, because it's you're you're impacting people's lives and then you become unforgettable mm -hmm. and. 
Um, but I, I love what you said because it's so true. And it's the same thing when we network, when we do any of these things, it's about building that commonality. You're finding things that 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 you you see with somebody. And I keep telling everybody that, you know what, the greatest asset we have as humans since we've been on this planet is our ability to share a story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I said, so take the time to learn about people's stories because half the time you come out of it and you go, oh, my God, I had no idea. And then you find things that you can build with them. And then all of a sudden it's a totally different relationship, right? Yeah. So anyway, that's my speech. And, and, so, and I, also want, I also wanted to add, too, there's always yeah. value in going to your manager. I mean, sometimes, you know, there's that that fear of going to your manager about, you know, needing to advocate. But but I, I really I really think that relationship with your manager is important to maintain that open line of communication. I agree. I, I absolutely. And, and I think a lot of in healthcare facilities of, of different types, if people start to realize that it is about the humans, it's not just. You know, like I don't even like the term patients. I'd almost want to call them clients because mm-hmm. really that's how we should be conducting ourselves to know that it's really about them. But at the same time as a leader, it, whether you're a director of care, an administrator in long-term care, or you're upper management in hospitals or whatever it is, everybody needs to realize that their staff kind of come first and mm-hmm. then the patients. And I know people may not necessarily agree with that, but, you know, if you have staff that's engaged and they love working there and they love the support they are going to do everything possible to keep those patients like clients happy right absolutely yeah okay so uh do you have any suggestions for nurses and healthcare workers who work in long-term care since we're talking about that and hospitals uh and feel overwhelmed by their work with older you know adults and other patients with dementia well, you know, it's it sounds <laughs> it sounds kind of I don't know, like a platitude or something, but self care. I mean, it, it's so important. I I recently um, a couple of years ago when I started a new job, I met my new colleague, and she said to me, "So, what kind of hobbies do you have?" And I'm like, "I watch TV," <laughs> and and it really made me realize that I didn't have any hobbies and. Right. You know that that moment to take self care. I ended up learning um, how to play the piano, something I always That's wanted to awesome. learn. And here I'm learning piano in my fifties. So, um, you know, just I, I really think self care is important. I probably, obviously, didn't recognize that as a younger person. I think if if you know younger healthcare workers can recognize that sooner, I think that will you know help improve their stamina for for working um, you know with people with dementia and, and other challenging situations. Right. And and by the way, Kim, I loved what you just said. That was beautiful. I think it's so true. I I always tell people I have so many hobbies that it's crazy. And uh, you know, like I'm really into cooking. I love to read. I read a lot. I I love collecting music, especially vinyl. And I love the sound, like listening to the sonics and everything. I'm I I love the network. You know, so it, there's multiple things, and it's always about finding the time for everything and what you really love to do. But I agree with you 100%. Uh, do you know, you may have not seen our marketplace that we launched. I'm not sure. It's public facing. Um, yeah. And you might even think that, hey, I might put stuff on oh, here. Yes, I, I did see it. Yes, I did see yeah. it. Yes. So you'll see uh, Nicole Dawes, who's located in Ottawa. She's written a book all about self-care uh, for caregivers mm-hmm. because she herself has lived the story. You yes. know, she has a child that you know, with lots of exceptionalities. And 
this is one of the most beautiful people you'd ever meet. And um, and she's written a, a book, which is wonderful. Uh, you know, maybe I'll do an introduction too for you because I think you'd really like her. She's really great. So no, this has been really great. And I've really appreciated Kim. So a, a couple of the other questions. Mm -hmm. uh, and my favorite one to ask is what's it like being a superstar? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a new that's a new term that's been introduced to me by James here. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I like to approach each day, you know, as it comes and uh, do the best I can with what I have. And I think that's anybody awesome. who, you know, gets two feet on the floor in the morning is a superstar. Absolutely. And and having a sense of gratitude. And that's another important part. Like. I'm a big advocate of emotional intelligence and self-care and, and empathy and awareness, mindfulness. It's also important. And, and I, I keep telling people, look, man, if you don't have a sense of gratitude by now, I don't know how I'm going to help you. Absolutely. Like after everything we've gone through and COVID and whatever, like we should be like really focusing on, wow, I still have my health. I still have all these wonderful things in my life. Like it yeah. could be worse. It could be better but I can't control some of these things. So what am I going to do right now to make my life better? You know, so anyway, anything else that you'd like to add, um, Kim, before we go? You know, that's that's interesting when you say about think about having gratitude and, you know, it does put a different spin on it. You know, we, we think about the last two and a half years with COVID as, you know, this this awful thing that happened. But I mean, looking at it as a fact of we can celebrate because we got through it. You know, and that's that's a, a I like that perspective. So yeah, I, I appreciate. Absolutely. That. Yeah. And I think a lot of times everything's priority. Everybody always says they're so busy. I catch myself saying it, and I'm going, yeah. I realize everyone's busy, um, and everything's priority. You know, when people tell me like, you know, if you're not happy in your job, what are you doing about it? Well, I don't have time. I I don't uh, you know, but but only two sentences earlier, they were talking about binge watching something on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, you know what, man, sorry to tell you this, but you had the time. It's just really how badly do you want it? So what I found with COVID is when there was considerable downtime, that was the time where you said, oh, my God, I'm going to listen to podcasts. I'm going to read. I'm going to do all these things because I want to achieve this over here. But to get this, I need to do these things to myself to improve myself. Maybe it's I need to learn about entrepreneurship or more. I need to learn a whole new skill. I need to learn whatever. But if I have the keen desire, I tell people all these things can be trained. The question is, do you have the attitude? Mm -hmm. Right? That's the thing you can't instill in people. It has to come from within. Um, but anyway, you know what, Kim? You are a superstar. And and not just in nursing and dementia and stuff like that. You're uh, obviously a beautiful human being, and I and I think it's wonderful that you could uh, bless us with your presence on our uh, podcast. Um, yeah, it's been wonderful. So let's uh, go ahead. No, I was just I was just going to say thank you very much, James. I I really appreciated uh, this pleasure. time to to chat. Yeah, yeah, it's our pleasure. Uh, caring support, you know. Yes, we've built a job, you know, innovative job matchup platform. We're doing all these other things. We talk about the marketplace. But really, at the end of the day, Kim, it's about bringing great people like you and to, to the forefront. And you're already doing all these amazing things. And we're like, hey, we want to share that story with our audience. So thank you so much. Thank you.